0: Amigos, welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. Today, we have a special edition for you. In the latest episode, we talk in length to Pachuca Winger and co-host of the podcast Historia de Llano, Paola Lopez. Over the next hour, Paola discusses her career, Liga MX Femenil, the Mexican National Team, wages in the women's game, revolution, players unionizing, and Liga MX Women's Players Manifesto. Enjoy. Welcome to the Mexican Soccer Show. This is Tom Marshall. Very special guest today, Paula López, who plays for Pachuca, formerly of Pumas. The co-host of Historias del Llano, uh, the podcast by Apuntes de Rabona, um, and holder a degree in political science and governance. Paula, how's it? How's
1: it going? Is it- oh, it's good. It's, it's good. Thanks. I think I'm just surviving as everyone. Well, maybe not as everyone else, but um, as as you at least. And yeah, just um, just coping with what COVID is.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, crazy times. But yeah, no, first thing I wanted to ask, uh, just uh, you know, I was looking at your Twitter, and and you've got a phrase up there which says "La revolución no pide permiso, un gol tampoco." Like the, a revolution doesn't ask for permission, and neither does a goal. Like, what is, is is Where's the phrase from? You know, what does it mean to you, or 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 what? what how come? You, how come you chose that phrase?
1: Well, I mean, it's a phrase that I that I just got to write, like when I like it's it's funny because um I by somehow my 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 Twitter account was hacked, so I had to change like my phrase, you know. And by that time, I was reading some books um about the Nicaraguan guerrilla. All oh, right.
0: No. With yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of my favorite books. It's um it's called uh. La montaña es algo más que una inmensa estepa verde. Something like, the the mountain is something bigger than just like a big valley of green, you know? (laughs) Um, And it's basically the story of, of the guerrilleros. And I think I got the idea from there, you know? Like, not the actual phrase, but yeah, I think that a real change, a real social change... Um for how it happens, it doesn't ask for, for- permission or or at least ask the coronavirus like it just happened you know yeah. and yeah. and sometimes it's they are like huge changes that um start happening like they start building up, you know yeah, and then when when they reach like the tipping point, it's just pff, they just happen so yeah and and that and that happens as well with a goal, you know, like yeah. when a social change happens, it somehow destroys what was before yeah. or tries at least to change what, what was before and then a, a goal is, is something that goes as well like with no permission of the defense and it's something that they don't want to happen but in the end it just happens
0: yeah when yeah. you work for it and it also changes <laughs> also changes the game yeah. it changes the you know the context as well so no but no interesting interesting so so Paul, how did you how and where did you did you start playing how old were you when you kind of started you know uh, playing and, and and kicking the ball around
1: I guess that it was when I was, like, five or six years old. Like, the one that played soccer actually was my sister. Or, well, football, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> My sister, Martha, is now a PhD in um, regenerative medicine. But when she was, like, nine years old, she just loved to kick the ball. Yeah. And I was just with her. And so what what she said, it was the thing that I did. So, yeah, I just played with her. And in the end, I just... Stick to the game, and and she changed off of interests and likes. So yeah.
0: Yeah, no oh, way. So so you, you're from Puebla.
1: Yes, I'm from Puebla. But it's a it's a state nearby Mexico City, just like a two hours away drive.
0: Ah, okay, nice. But nice. yeah, yeah. So 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 I mean, when you know when you first started playing and you started you know getting into it, and obviously you know you, you obviously you know saw that you had talent. Where where did you look? What spaces were available in Mexico for, for you know, a young girl to to kind of join a team or, or you know get co- coaching, ex- coaching and stuff like that?
1: Well, I had to go. Co- well, I had to train with my friends. Like when we started playing, um, luckily my my sister and I, like we had the yeah, like the the, the fortune of being able to go to a sports club here yeah. in Puebla. Yeah, oh, nice. in Sablita called uh, Club Britannia. That it's like a private sports club that my parents got to pay.
0: Yeah.
1: So we play there like with our friends in every summer, you know. And then we played in we played at school. Like the school, I think it's the most open and public space where I played when I was young. Yeah. And yeah, like the fun was just to playing with my teammate, like like with my classmates, you know. And um, in school I played like since when, like yeah, when I wasn't nine years old until I was 13. F- the funny fact was that <laughs> when I was at school, we got to play very few tournaments against other schools. Like, like we just went there to play more, you know? Yeah. But then, in the only tournament that we were inscribed, we got to play against a sports club that's somehow fancy in Puebla called um, the Club España. Yeah. And at that game, um, there, there, there were coaches and people from um Lobos FC lower divisions All right Lobos what From the it's university a team that, Yeah but but it, it's a team that has just disappeared but um yeah. but when But yeah when I was 13 it it just um existed you know and yeah, yeah the fun things that happen in Mexican football <laughs> um and there like they co- and my mom actually like my mom is is someone that has always worked Yeah so um she like she didn't get to get to see a lot of a lot of my games and the only game that she um that she just shows up because it 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 was on a Saturday and not um on Friday or or at the middle of the week, you know? Yeah yeah. Um the coach like the coach were there and then at the end of the game I I got well I was a keeper before being a winger.
0: Oh right, no way and a forward.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the like the coach was there like just standing there. Yeah. And approached my mom and then she and 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 he told her like um it's it's weird because we have never seen a girl with like with their skills, you know. Yeah. So we would like to call her up to be with the Loboswap FC 93 category. I'm a 94.
0: Yeah. Oh wow.
1: Um so I don't know what what you might think and like when they told me I was like mom I want to go and it was funny because they called me and three of my of my friends that that that, that were like my best friends from class, you know. Yeah. So yeah. so we went there, and then yeah, the space for me to to play was in the it's a stadium called the Zaragoza Stadium. Okay. Which is funny because it was the first place that um, got a concert of of the of the great band Queen, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in Mexico, yeah. It, um, and there, and yeah, and the space where I played was there nice. during my teenage years. Yeah, and then after that, um, I just grew up and got a scholarship to play in high school.
0: All right. For yeah.
1: the Tec de Monterrey.
0: Ah, for Tec de Monterrey. Nice.
1: Yeah. So the other space was at school, like mainly in my life. I've played thanks to school.
0: Yeah. No. No way. And 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 you know, you went to the to the under seventeen World Cup. In Trinidad and Tobago, um, how, how did you get spotted there? Was that they went to see you at, at school, or, or how did you get involved within the the kind of national team, um, you know, pool?
1: Mm, that was a fun story too. Like um, when I got to de Monterrey, yeah, um, I got there because um, because I dropped being at the Lobos Wap FC team, yeah. Um, you know, like being there, the only girl was um, tough, very tough. Yeah. So, when they kicked out my best friend and the last one there, I said, okay, I'm not gonna stay there anymore. So, I got to Tech de Monterrey. But when I got to Tech to de Monterrey, I entered there because I won like a juggling um, contest.
0: All right. No
1: so, I, well, like, when the coach sees me, he says, like, hey, why come, don't you, don't you come here with us um, during summer, just like to, to the preseason? So, I, I, I went there, jog, like and, and he remembered that I won a jog, uh, jogging contest. But yeah. when I showed up with my gloves, he was like, um, how come? And then I was like, yeah, I'm a keeper. I mean, <laughs> so he was like, okay, that's fine. So in Tec de Monterrey, like, the coach first saw that. My coach was called um, Chori uh, Alejandro Frias. Yeah. That he used to play with Mexico's national team, like, like he got to play in Esperanzas de Toulon when the team oh, nice. was composed by Chepo de la, de la Torre, oh. um, Nacho Ambriz, him, El Abuelo Cruz. Um, yeah. And his boss was Miguel Mejabaron.
0: Oh, right. No way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know why, but they were at Tec, at Tec de Monterrey in Puebla. So I was with them. I got there as, as a keeper.
0: Yeah.
1: And in, in one game, Miguel Barón approached me. And he was like, hey, I, I like how you play as a keeper, but you play, like, very outside the goal, you know? Like, you <laughs> seem like a defender, you know? <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, like, you might score a goal, like, while you're being a keeper, you know? So, um, I like that. So, why don't you um, play as a winger with us or as a forward? Wow. And then I was like, oh, like, okay, that, that's fine. Yeah. By that time, there was a avisoria. Like I'm not sure scouting. if that word... Like a,
0: yeah. Like
1: a trial scouting. Yeah. In Puebla. And um, Leonardo Cuellar came to Puebla to see us. By that time, well, what, what, what they told me was, well, you might try as well, well, yeah, you might try out as well, like, for the two positions, and <laughs> let's see what happens. Yeah. And then no. I was like, okay, that's fine. So I played as a keeper and as a forward, and I did better as a keeper. Yeah. However... That scouting was I don't know like in a June, yeah, and I never heard of of the mexico's na- national team until like a year and a half later wow by by that time, I was in my second year of high school,
0: yeah,
1: and then by that time um M- Migue and Chori were already like making me like a winger, you know, yeah. so I stopped playing as a as a keeper. And then Migue comes here and he says, hey, um, Leo Cuellar wants to wants you for the Mexico's U-17 process, you know, wow. for the World Cup. But he wants you as a keeper. And when he tells me, I am like, Migue, there's been like months that I've not been, yeah, that I've not been a keeper. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that that's going to be funny. It's going to be difficult. And then, yeah. And then he <laughs> goes, yeah, but, I mean, Leo Cuellar doesn't know that. Yeah. So you might go there as a keeper and... I mean, you get to see and you get to choose, and if you feel comfortable, like just tell him that you can play as a forward or something like that.
0: <laughs> no way. And yeah, then I was uh, like, okay. Jorge
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I got there. Like when I got to 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 that concentración, to that um, yeah.
0: Camp. Well, to well, that I mean, trip. up, yeah.
1: The thing was that the their second goalie. Yeah. For some reason couldn't um like get like her passport for okay. the premundial. No way. And that's why they asked for me. So I was like, okay, well, and then I just got there as a as a keeper and I was there as a keeper. But in the end I got go <laughs> I got to go to the World Cup as a winger.
0: As a winger. No way. Yeah. That's, crazy. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. It's probably, uh, one of the most unique stories, no, of going to a World Cup and, you know, going as one, <laughs> as a goalkeeper and, and then eventually ending up as a winger. It's, uh, it, it's, it's crazy, no? Yeah, it's, uh, fascinating, I mean, but, um, yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, obviously, you know, your story about, you know, coming through and, and I imagine, um, a lot of players as well. It's like, you know, finding those spaces and, and especially outside kind of the school system. Um, you know, I imagine it, it was difficult, and you know, if if you say go back five years to what it was like in Mexico for for women's soccer, and especially you know young players, to what it is now, and obviously with Liga Mex Femenil, um, I don't know, could you imagine that you know five years ago when you were what you know 2021 20, that that this league would have would have I don't know been formed and kind of now been what is it this is like what third year now going on to fourth year that it's now actually established? I mean. I don't know, looking back then could you could you imagine that this would have happened?
1: No, never. Never. Like actually after the World Cup in Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah. Like the other like the next step was to go to the U20s and then to the to the full Mexico's national team, but if that didn't happen, then it's somehow like your career just got to an end because there was no league.
0: Yeah.
1: Um the other thing that you could do and was what I intended to do was to um apply and get and try to get a scholarship to study and play in the NCAA oh. in the US. Yeah. So after the World Cup, um I get a scholarship and I and I and I and I just do that. And then the actual like maybe the pathway to follow was well go there, play four years and then if you still are into it, then try to make it to one of the pro leagues um in Europe or in the US. Yeah. But once you get to the NCAA, you see that like the league is massive. Like yeah. Division One yeah. has like three hundred schools.
0: Yeah, no. Way.
1: And the competition is 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 way um higher than it is in here, and yeah, and like way more intense and way more like it's just more in yeah. every aspect. So you go there and you see this massive. Um, quantity of players and, and then you say, no, yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm gonna like be, be pro, you know? I'm just one person in one team of the 300 that <laughs> are just in division one, you know?
0: Yeah, no way.
1: And me, and in Mexico, it didn't look like it's that like, that some, that something like, like the Liga MX was gonna happen. And actually, that, that's why I somehow gave up. In soccer.
0: Oh, you gave up? No way. So, 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 yeah. So you went to the states to try out in the college, or or you just looked into it, or did you actually go there and kind of go through the the trial process and try to try and get the scholarship?
1: I mean, I got a full a full ride scholarship, and I started for a year. Yeah. At USF in at, Tampa Bay. Oh, in um, Tampa
0: Bay. Nice.
1: Yeah, USF it's University of South Florida. Okay. Actually, um, I got a scholarship there because before going to the World Cup. We had some of the prep games against them oh, and right. I scored one goal. So <laughs> like yeah. So yes. it so it just happened and I and I went there, but in that year, I don't know, like I didn't like living there. I didn't like the American culture, I guess. Well yeah. the US culture.
0: Yeah.
1: Because I hate they say the American culture as if it's just them because America <laughs> is the whole continent, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um then i I didn't like the school system. I thought it, it was kind of um you know like um like bad
0: yeah
1: um it and and, and it, it's funny because most Mexicans think that going to the u s it's like way better yeah. uh, educationally speaking, and then you get to realize that that's not precisely true
0: yeah right. um
1: and then I was like okay if if I'm not gonna play football professionally and i don't like eating, don't like playing here don't like the people don't like the food don't like you know <laughs> so i so i might just go back yeah. and i came back and when i came back like i realized that i was giving up football as something else in my life because there like there was no any other thing that i could do and when i came to mexico i i, I actually came to the itam itam is it's one of the finest u- u- n- universities in economics, in poli, in law, right. um, actual stuff. But like sports-wise, they suck, and yeah. they don't have anything like like n- like they don't even have like a normal football pitch for an eleven versus an, an eleven team. They just no have um, an indoor facility, and that's it. No, you know? So yeah, like when that happened, I. Like in my life, it it was like okay. I thought and I decided to give up football, and I'm and I'm just gonna be normal, you know, like just study, uh, study my degree, get the degree, um,
0: yeah, and find a job,
1: and yeah, just work, yeah, yeah. No And suddenly, out of nowhere, because like yeah, like it didn't seem like like I don't know in the US when you look at the women's soccer. They have like all this build up since very young ages, you know? Yeah. They've got big tournaments and a lot of summer camps and schools. And then in, Me- and when you look at Mexico, like you didn't get to see that a-, a lot. Like I, I am from a generation where you were the only girl playing with boys.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think if you ask like to most of the players in the league, in the Mexican league, that's their story. Like we don't have this like, g- like, um, Mixed um, football or girls-only football because it's, it's still like like somehow socially and culturally it it was somehow still like a taboo. Yeah. Like um, macha thing or like you know like something not um good for girls or not usual to girls doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean we so, we, we saw the president today. No, did you see what uh, the president was saying today?
1: What did he say? I mean, he (laughs) said a lot of stuff. No, no, no. (laughs)
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against him, but he said basically today, and I think it does reflect, you know, the kind of culture that you're talking about, but he said, you know, with coronavirus, basically that obviously old people are vulnerable, but everybody knows the daughters are there to kind of, you know, look after the old people, like the, the, the sons can be a bit more, a bit more freer and stuff like that. And it was just like, that's just, that's, you know, that's exactly the kind of culture that I think, you know, you're, you're, you're touching on then, basically.
1: No, yeah, and, and and like like even that, no one thought of a Mexican pro league for women. Yeah. And I keep saying it like like I'm someone who benefited from from the creation of the Liga MX femenil, but in Mexico they started all wrong and 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 they did it like all all upside down because the best thing like to get a, a competitive team is to have your system well built since the foundations, you know since. Yeah. Since younger ages and then that they have their process and stuff like that, not, not creating a Liga MX in a professional scheme and then pretend to, from that to go to the lower levels because then like the skill is not gonna get better because mm-hmm. you're going all the other way around. So, so yeah, like no one saw it coming actually. Yeah. And when that happened, I was like, oh, okay, why, why not just try, you know? But yeah, like I never thought that was gonna, gonna happen and I like yeah I just made my mind to just be a political scientist and that's it.
0: Yeah so, so when but, I came but, back. But when you were at university in Mexico um etam you you were you still playing or, or just a little bit or, or or not at all?
1: I mean I didn't like I never stopped playing, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: But I stopped playing um on the actual football pitch eleven versus eleven. Like oh, I okay. just got to play indoor soccer. You oh, know? Okay. Yeah. And from like in high school and in the you 17 and you 20 like um you got to train daily once or twice a day if you were with the Mexico national team. And then when I got to ITAM, yeah. I just got to play like twice a week if if that was good, you know. And also, my like I love my team. And actually for ITAM, it was the best team like in ages. Yeah. But um, it's not a school accustomed to doing good in sports things. So um, like the level was way lower. Yeah. And yeah, like I never stopped playing, but I just stopped doing it at a very intense level or on a very yeah, like high. Bueno, the alto rendimiento, you know, like yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But you, you never, you never, you never lost like the love. Hobby. You never lost your love for the game.
1: No, never. No. But like. But I didn't, like, expect to actually make it to the league, you know, because I, I was, like, now I'm just, like, yeah, like a person that goes there, plays, and <laughs> after the game, you, you you just go, like, for the beer and just yeah. have, like, party, you know? It's, like...
0: <laughs> yeah. No, for sure, for sure. No, yeah, no, it's interesting what you said about building the league, kind of, from the top down rather than from the bottom up, but, um, you know, we can get into that in a little bit. Um but yeah, I was, I was wanting to ask you about the, um, the manifesto from, from the League of MX, um, Feminil. It, is it, was it like a player's initiative or, or where did, where did the idea come from to, to put out a manifesto?
1: Well, actually, it's funny because, um, the manifesto is like the very first, um, joint posture that the players actually make. Yeah, okay. Taking into account the creation of the league and that the league has already, um, well, it's in its sixth tournament. Yeah. So it's it's going to just be three years old, and it, it's somehow like um, it's funny because I got like the itch of writing it because I have a friend that that does um. It's in uh, it's in a magazine, just like um in. That writes about and talks about stuff like apuntes de Rabona yeah. that it's called El Buen Toque.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And supposedly in 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 March they like they were going to launch like this um this this ma- magazine focused on women because of because of the 8th of March and and then that like from there it came the idea of making a manifesto because yeah like we had never like somehow um talked about this. Yeah, and then in in a very personal um, sphere, I somehow felt bad because I'm not sure if you knew, but um, the Veracruz team just vanished, as well as Lobos you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, for sure. And given the fact that in Mexico, like the men's football is way more important than the women's football, like no one actually cared of what happened to them, and like the team just vanished, and actually the team owed them like for years
0: yeah
1: and they earned like um just minimum wage and they and and the team still owed them, no, worries. and we as players we we never did something, so somehow I was like, yeah, I felt bad for not doing e- anything, so um, on march the eighth um for for like um I didn't know about it because um yeah, it just happened i I wrote the manifesto for the magazine, yeah, but then the magazine, because of um not having enough um resources and enough money, it didn't come out no, but I... still i I wrote it and I showed it to um to the Pachuca team,
0: yeah,
1: and somehow saying to them like hey why why don't we post something like this like on the on on March the eighth I mean I think we can do that yeah. and then they 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 read that and they liked it, and then monica ocampo,
0: yeah
1: that it's like the most important figure in in Pachuca. Yeah. Um, she told me, "Hey, there's this meeting of the AMF. The AMF is the Association of Mexican um, Footballers. Yeah. Um, and I think we might take that and, le- and and let's see what they say. And then I was like, okay, let's do that. So we did it. We went to the reunion. We read the manifesto, and er- and everyone ag- agreed. And then we got to make some changes because they like in order to take into account all the voices from all the players of the team yeah of of all the teams in in the league, and then we just we just posted it, so yeah, it was an initiative of us, and somehow because yeah, because we had like yeah no we way. Had just n- never said anything, and actually the manifesto it, like it's something very uh, ideal like if you if you read at it, it's not. An actual demand of something like very specific. Yeah, it's just like a very ideological platform of what we should aspire as being, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it's like the the ideals, no, is like you know the ideal of what you're what you're looking to get without, I don't know, without going into specifics, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't know that you'd written it though. <laughs> I didn't know that it was actually you who'd uh, who you know written the original draft. So, no, that's that's amazing. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's it's, um, I mean, the first, first line, first line, I mean, it just grabs you straight away, no? I mean, I think in English, I think the first line is today we are living through one of the most dramatic social changes in history. Women's empowerment represents a change, sometimes uncomfortable to the status quo. Um, and just for people who haven't read it yet, or, or if you don't speak Spanish, I mean, I don't know. And obviously, Paula, you, you add stuff that I miss out, but obviously it talks about the salary gap. Um, you know, the opportunities for, for female players to, you know, to make a living and and to hang, kind of have a career playing football rather than having to to kind of work on the side as well. And um, I know it talks it talks about the way that, that everybody involved journalists, players, everybody you know talks about the game as well and make sure you know we talk about the the, the game in the right way. And, and obviously conditions in terms of travel, I think it mentions you know you know teams regularly travel over six hours um, on a bus to games. So. Um, so yeah, no, it's uh, it, it was definitely it was definitely interesting. It was you know it's interesting to hear the history behind it as well, and the, you know the fact that you came up with the idea and then you know took it to the uh, to, to the to the other teams, to the players' association, and uh, and what's the players' association been like in terms of you know kind of fighting fighting your corner, or when I say your corner, the you know the players' corner from Liga MX femenil.
1: Mm, I'm not sure if, if I'm if I'm the right player to say that because I've just been to two meetings, oh. and I think they've they've been yeah. more, you know. Yeah. Um. That well. The, the funny thing though is that the I think that the strength of the manifesto was that in the end, like in spite of me presenting it, it was somehow a, a job done by by everyone because yeah. like the final draft um came out from the re, from the reunion. Yeah. And in that case, I think that the manifesto is the most important thing that we've done through the through the AMF. Yeah. Um it's it's hard because I think Mexico doesn't have a very good tradition of um unions. Yeah. Um I'm I'm not sure if you're somehow familiarized with 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 what's the um the sindicalismo charro or the Char, or, or the charro unions. Yeah. In what? Mexico? Well,
0: what what, no. what is it? What what are
1: they? Um supposedly like like the unions in Mexico are are known as charros because somehow um, the PRI in in like since the 1940s when Lazaro Cardenas was the president and the um, force from Lazaro Cardenas uh, were the unions, you know, and and he was like the more socially progressive president that Mexico has had.
0: Yeah,
1: and he was supported by um, men working in the mines, in in the trains, and but what happened or what the pre got to do with all those unions is to put as head of the union someone very close to the party. Yeah. What makes that um, the demanding part then can't be that strong, but the union head can somehow, um, um, I don't know, like impose like the speech of the party
0: Yeah.
1: and then just gather people to vote for the party instead of actually like fighting for think- the rights of the workers, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And by doing that, then um the syndic- the sindicatos charros were born. So it's a, like the the sindicato charro or the charro union yeah. is a union that don't that doesn't really work for the workers. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's interesting. Um, but you, but do you feel like the players union right now is, you know, obviously you've not been to all the meetings, but it is kind of now more independent obviously than than what it was when it was kind of, you know, part of the federation in the same office as the federation.
1: I mean, it's funny because I can't I can't say that this that that the union is independent from 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 the federation because the actual um funding of the of the IMF yeah comes from from comes from the from from the federation you know yeah part of it so it can't be that independent I mean it is but um but it's important because it's the first um like somehow sindicato that has survived in Mexico. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Carlos Albert.
0: Uh, Yeah, the journalist and the former player.
1: Yeah, the journalist in ESPN. Yeah. Well, he stopped playing football. Yeah. Because in his time, like, he intended to do a union, an independent union.
0: Yeah.
1: And what what happened to him was that, well, given that, um, no team hired him. So he got, like, just banned from the soccer pitch, you know? Yeah. So... Taking that into account, I guess that the that the IMF is like it's good because it's like the most advanced um, syndicato or union that we have got to create. Yeah. But um, you know it's yeah like in terms of organization, I I I think it should belong more to the players. Like it's funny when I got there to the first meeting, um, I was still with Pumas. Yeah. Um, I was like somehow shocked because I was like. Okay, we got to this meeting, and then, like, there there were these bunch of guys that somehow explained to us what this is, what 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 the sindicato was, but we never got like to do like a WhatsApp group or a drive, um, you know, like in that drive, e- everyone should be able to upload their contracts, um, yeah, or stuff like, like some organizational basic stuff, you know. So I was like, mm, I'm not sure what this sindicato or what this union <laughs> does, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but in like, but since the manifesto, I I think that that um, in spite of that it's important to the outside because it was like the first um the first posture we made. I think it it, it was more important to the inside in terms that, given that we did the manifesto, I think that the, that the people that is in charge of the A, of the AMF.
0: Yeah,
1: actually got to see that women can somehow own the A, the A, the AMF more than the guys have have done like 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 the guys have just like sold um things for Jurgen Dam or stuff like that but they have never like somehow really really gathered you know like in an actual solid group that demands um stuff for everyone in the league and then we've done that and i think that somehow having the i mean not protection but somehow um yeah like um, being accompanied by, by the AMF, it's good because in that way, I think at at least me personally wouldn't have been able to actually reach all the players with with the manifesto. Yeah. So I think in that uh, in that aspect, it's good.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. No, definitely, and it definitely feels like the kind of I mean, not just within the women's game, but obviously you, you know you mentioned um, the March eighth, the women's March, the March ninth, the you know the the strike that went on in Mexico, which was. You know, absolutely massive as well. Um, yeah. And and I don't know, but but do you feel, Paula, that from my experience, kind of working as a journalist, and you know, when I when I do stories on on the women's game, um, I sometimes get players who the they don't want to speak about too much. You know, I get the feeling that there's some some kind of, and I'm talking about in Mexico, there's some kind of fear that if they say the wrong thing, that if they if the you know, if they upset the wrong person, then they might be kind of shut out of the system, that they might not get the opportunities. You know, you mentioned Carlos Albert then, something similar to that situation that if you say something that goes against, you know, what what people... Want you to say, then, um, then, 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 you know, there could be repercussions. Um, do, you, do you think that's kind of? I mean, do you agree with that? And do you think that's kind of changing slightly now? Do you think that do you think that players in Mexico are now more willing, like yourself, you know, obviously to speak out and 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 give
1: give like your opinion? I mean, I I think it's a it's a common fear, and it does have re, in the end repercussions. Um, I think it it somehow changes from team to team. Yeah. But, yeah, like, in Mexico, I just think that the workers are not that politicized, you know? Um, Because historically, yeah, like, um, Mexico is so unequal than that the one that is, like, yeah, like, we haven't been able to actually, like, achieve stuff for the rest successfully. Like... We speak of the Mexican re- Revolution, yeah. But in the end, if you look at the inequality in 1910 and today, I don't think it's it it's gone any lower, you know, or <laughs> or, or or any smaller. So yeah. when that happens, yeah, the fear that you speak about is is like it just exists, and it's um way more likely that it will impact and somehow influence how you decide and and if you actually decide whether to, or not to just speak up. Yeah. Um actually I like um I I I I think I just said it in an in an interview not long ago. Um the great di- the the great difference for for example in Pumas and in Pachuca yeah is that in Pachuca I I am way more free to speak of anything. Yeah. For for example in Pumas um there, there was this, this once, well, this one time that after a game, I, I think it was against Veracruz or something like that. Um, in the second tournament, I got to score a goal. Yeah. And after the game ended, there was this, this, um, this typical um, Televisa, Televisa interview. Yeah. And then I remember that Lily Sanchez asked me. What do you think or what you can say to the um to the fans that came here to cantera yeah and then in in that game in the in the morning i I ran up to to the people from the rebel. the rebel is like the the most important group section of the Pumas fans, yeah and then this guy told me they didn't allow us to come into cantera no so way. after that then i then I said, okay, well. I thank them a lot to uh, like to come here, but I still feel bad because I know that a lot of them can't just get in because it's just small. Yeah, and and because we just can't play in the in the Estadio Universitario. Yeah, and I said that, and then after, like an hour ago, um, Wendy Wendy was somehow like the the chief media person yeah. in Pumas. And we couldn't have any interview without her, like, um, <laughs> no. somehow al- uh, allowing it. Yeah. And then she called me, like, how come did you say that on TV? And then I was like, I'm like, Wendy, I never lied, you know? Um, yeah. so I mean, that happens. And after that, uh, uh-huh, it's funny because I, I didn't get to, yeah, I didn't get that many interviews. Um, and a lot of people that are, Journalists, or that I have come to meet because of Apuntes de Rabona, yeah. just as you, they asked in Pumas to to get some yeah to to get an interview, and after that, um, they they were just told um, you can you can interview whoever, except Pau. <laughs> so <wait>. i mean... <laughs> That's so crazy. It's like, and I mean it's crazy and not that much because like um. I I I don't think it's something that has um affected me that much, you know. Yeah. Because like the like if they had banned me from playing, then 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 that would have been a thing, you know. Yeah. But I mean, if that happens, then it's just um normal that people get to fear because yeah, things just happen. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's crazy though. I mean, it's the it's the university as well. I mean, it's supposed to be about you know free speech and <laughs> you know what I mean, and then they just basically. Don't allow you to speak, which is, I don't know. It kind of sounds ridiculous, but no, yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting. And uh, no, Paula I was gonna I was gonna ask you, um, you know, obviously there's the stories come out about, you know, different teams, you know, the the travelling conditions for for Liga MX feminil teams when when they go to away games, and you hear, you know, especially with Veracruz but I think Veracruz was, I don't know, things were going very very badly there for, for a while, no, yeah, um, but I mean. You don't have to mention the team or or anything, but what's what's the craziest story you've heard in terms of just like the worst kind of conditions that a team has had to go and travel and then and then kind of play a game?
1: Um, I mean, I can, I can talk about the team because actually, like like the news was there like for a while. Yeah. Um, but when when Necaxa had to play against Tigres. Yeah. They had to go from Aguascalientes to Monterrey and Necaxa, I mean yeah, they have somehow never paid for hotels. No so way. they have to yeah, so so they get up and they travel or 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 they get out of Aguascalientes at the time they have to um get out in order to get to the actual game, you know. But in that case, their bus broke down at the at like at a point somehow two hours away from Monterrey. No and because it broke down the i mean the good thing was that tigres was able to send them a bus so they could get there, but the game started like two like like two hours or three hours later, you know no way. but i I mean that's yeah that's like the things that can happen, you know, and yeah,
0: yeah, no I way. mean
1: that was all over the news so yeah.
0: Yeah no yeah I remember actually and and you know for for, for people listening you know not not necessarily within Mexico what, just to get an idea what would you say the average wages for a, a Liga MX feminino player obviously not one of the you know not a national team player um, just like a, a player who's starting regularly you know in in the league what, what around what would you say the the numbers are mm,
1: the average. I think it might be 3,000 pesos to 4,000 pesos. For the average.
0: Quincena or for a month?
1: No, for a month. Three to
0: 4,000 a month? Yeah. No way. So that's in dollars, that's like, well, the dollar's going crazy now, anyways, but but in, it's like <laughs> yeah. know, 100, I know. $150, I $200 mean, dollars a month. Put that in perspective. I yeah. mean,
1: if you take the dollar to, as being 20 pesos. Yeah. Then it's like um hundred and fifty
0: yeah two hundred no way and and so and so obviously yeah. mo- most of the players have to find other means of you know of financing of financing the career
1: i mean it's it it's hard, and it changes from team to team, like there are yeah like um there's a lot of people like me that that have already finished their careers yeah. and they get to work in another stuff. And play and yeah. and 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 that's how they get to like survive. You know, there's people that teach, that um work like somehow freelance like me. Um and I mean it's also um funny because the Liga MX femenil started being a very juvenile league. Yeah. So a lot of them are still studying. Yeah. Because they're young. Like like they, there's people that are. From 13 years old to 29, you know. Yeah. Uh, so in that gap, like we went from 13 to 25, there is still like a studying. So and some teams get to help them with education. So so that kind of just do the magic, you know. But um, there's a lot that actually I think that they lose more money than what they earned just by yeah. playing.
0: Yeah, no way. And, and even what... the fact that they go on.
1: Uh, no, 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 yeah, like like if there's people like um, for example, I mean the youngsters of seventeen, fifteen years, yeah, they get they get the lowest pay,
0: yeah,
1: so I think that I mean, they don't feel it because their parents are the ones who feel it, but I think that their parents just yeah, they I spend more in them getting into their training, like, like to train than what they can earn from playing. So, yeah. yeah.
0: No, it's crazy. It's, yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it's kind of the other side of it, no? Because obviously, I think, I think a lot of people, especially on the outside of Mexico, look at Liga MX Femenil and, you know, I think I've said it as well, you know, it's the best thing that's happened in Mexican uh, football in the last decade, you know? Just the fact that, that you know, the visibility of, of having that, of having a league and, and, you know, what it means for, you know, the next generation next generation of players in Mexico, but then you have to obviously every every well, the vast majority of players in the league have to make obviously huge sacrifices just to play, just to be part of it, you know what I mean? So it's it's kinda of that it's kind of that contradiction, no, that that seems to exist right now in, in the Mexican women's game.
1: I know it's funny because I mean if you take into account that the league is just three years old, I yeah. think they've done like these huge breakthroughs like like being on TV, you know,
0: yeah,
1: and like filling up the and like packing up the stadiums in Monterrey, for example. And I think there are things that in the older um, leagues that that we look at, like in Europe or in the US, it's yeah. stuff that took time to happen. Yeah, but also in Europe and in the US, I think there are countries with, you know, like with a union culture and a worker force culture, way bigger than we have it here so in spite of 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 being a league that has grown more rapidly than the older leagues, yeah. it still gets to reflect what happens in the whole country like like yeah. in mexico it's true like like the women they earn what the average mexican earns, and if you take into account that mexico is the is a country from the o c d e or the o e c d yeah i OECD. mean it's, yeah that um has the lowest uh wage.
0: Yeah.
1: Then some somehow that, that checks up, you know?
0: Yeah. No, yeah, no, for like,
1: sure. Yeah, like like the women footballers, they actually adjust to the Mexican reality whereas the men's players Yeah, where yeah. Whereas the men players in here they are the ones that don't fit in it, actually.
0: Yeah, no. No, and I mean on the men's side it's like the the wages that they pay is still You know, more than, more than the average MLS player gets. I mean, that's the, that's the crazy thing. So even though Mexico is like, in theory, a poorer country or the average wage is lower than the, in, in football in terms, they actually make, actually make more money than, than MLS. But, um, yeah, just, um, switching it over a bit to, to Pachuca. I remember when we did, when we did a podcast, I can't remember if we recorded, but I remember you were talking a bit about, um, Ever Espejo. And and you know oh, yeah. w- what she's like as a coach, and and you know what Pachuca is like as a, an institution. So so first of all, like you know, obviously we've talked about a few of the the, the issues that go on in Liga MX femenil and, and the challenges and and the successes as well. But in terms of Pachuca, what's what's your experience been like of how Pachuca does things in terms of in terms of the women's team? I
1: think Pachuca is one of the teams that does the things better or the best in terms of the women's team.
0: Yeah.
1: Because like it's funny because Pachuca is not one of is one of the wealthiest team in Mexico. Their philosophy in men's and in women's yeah. is to form very young players in order to sell them to huge teams or to make them go uh, abroad. Yeah. The cases of of Chukilosano, Pizarro, Gutierrez, eh, HH, yeah. etc. So given that philosophy, I I think they're the best ones because actually it's it's the team that has somehow worried the most informing young women players. Yeah. So it's true that um, maybe we haven't been able to actually win one one Liga.
0: Yeah.
1: I think Pachuca is somehow um yeah um. Creating the next generation that it's gonna somehow be the Mexico's national team maybe in 2025. Oh yeah. Um, so I, in, in that terms, I think they're, they're very good. And in, yeah, in terms of trying to be equal with women, it's true. We don't earn that much as in Tigres or Monterrey or stuff like that. But, but Pachuca does try to make that women footballers have the actual same same things that the main footballers have in order to achieve in sports. Yeah. So
0: like so, yeah. Um, so like
1: you, what, kind, what kind what kind of actually things? Actually built, built up. Yeah. There's there's the Pavillon Femenil,
0: Yeah.
1: For example, that that it was the first team to, to actually build like these locker rooms for women. Their 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 own pitch. Actually, the pitch for women was the newest one because it was um. With, with the, with the hybrid grass. Oh, right, nice. And it's the the first one like that in, in the whole Pachuca facilities, you know? Yeah. So, in that terms, I think they're trying to be very equal. And we actually get to play in the stadium since, since they won. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess Pachuca, in, it's very good. And following this scheme, it was also one of the first teams and the only teams. That have a head coach that is women yeah. well that is a woman, and yeah. I think she's very good yeah. like, <laughs> like like not like, like not for nothing she got to be one of the best well she got the best head coach in the CONCACAF when Pachuca won the copa, yeah in two
0: thousand and
1: seventeen, so um i mean that's that somehow tells like like that tells you something of how Pachuca is trying to. Yeah, to give women, you know, the same rights as men. So that's good.
0: No, definitely. What What's she like as a coach? So whatever? I see her in an interview, she seems very, very calm. But obviously, as a coach, there's a time that you have to kind of shout with the players. I mean, does she get angry? Does she? Does she? You know, does she know when to kind of impose herself on on the on the squad as well?
1: Yeah, it's funny because it it also depends on the player. I think I'm a very explosive player. So yeah. in the in the one v one. Yeah. Um. She she um. She gets mad at me sometimes. Yeah. But that's good. Yeah. And 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 she gets mad because I make because I make her angry. So so <laughs> so, so so that's okay. But yeah. um. Yeah. She's she's mainly calm, but I think she she knows how to impose herself and she's calm not because she like avoids being harsh, you know. Yeah. But because she somehow um is good. In making you know that you, as a player, have responsibilities. Yeah. So, so I don't think that's bad. Yeah, no,
0: no, definitely. And, and in terms of preparation, I remember you uh, you talked about, um, you know, in terms of creating a good group, a good a good atmosphere between the players. That you know, there's like a book club, and I think did you go and see a, a you know, did you go to um, the theater to watch classical, to listen to classical music, or? Well, I remember you telling us an, an anecdote about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I like the thing with Eva and it's it's funny because um Mexico's female head coaches Yeah. I think you can't expect them to be that good today. Yeah. In terms of what they're going to be on the next 5 to 10 years. Because because somehow w- women's football wasn't a reality for them when they were young. Yeah. And For the ones that get to go, like, to get in the future, it would have been. So, I mean, you expect them to footballistically be perhaps better. But what happens with Eva is that, yeah, she is a person that never played, like, in a professional, um, scheme or in a semi, semi semi-amateur, um, scheme. But, um, she was a teacher.
0: Yeah.
1: And being a teacher and being somehow, um, immersed in Social stuff, um, like different of football. Yeah, makes her someone very able to intertwine football with society. So yeah, like she's the one who gets us to go to, yeah, to the classical concert. Like the the last time they made us go to um this classical concert, um, because it was brand new. Yeah, in the or, or well, so it was like. A very huge happening because it, it was the first time that an actual masterpiece was gonna be um, played, and I don't think that happens a, a lot in classical um, spheres.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, in classical music spheres, because they get to play Beethoven, uh, Wagner, and there's people like from the 15th and 16th cent- cent- century, and you don't get like to play masterpieces just like just written, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And that's yeah. some like some. It's tough an experience that you get to go and you get to experience as well because she somehow knows that, and it's something that the traditional head coaches in Mexico in men's teams don't do yeah. because they were just players, you know.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And um, and Paula, obviously, um, Christopher Cuellar is is the is the head coach right now of the of the female national team. Um, do you think the next head coach, whenever it might be, should should be female?
1: I think it will be female. Yeah. Because um, I'm not sure you're familiar with uh, Monica Vergara. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think that everything some, somehow is being built up. So she gets to be the the next um full Mexico na- national team coach. And I think that's okay. Like, yeah. if you get to... I mean if we had been more um more demanding yeah maybe Christopher Cuellar um had been um got out well had been gotten out of the Mexico national team if somehow he had been punished for not being able to go to the Olympics you know and not being able to you know yeah. but they didn't do that because I think that they like, that that they want Monica Vergara Berg- to get in but they're leaving Monica Vergara to actually work with her generation. Like, yeah. like she's the one who made the U17 Mexico's national team um, sub champion or uh, second. Yeah, runner-up. Second best. Yeah, yeah. You know. So and and then he went to the U20s, um, to the U20s Concacaf qualifier just a month ago.
0: Yeah, and second place no again.
1: Yeah, and and well, it looks like. Like, maybe they're going to do well in the uh, U-20s. So I think that, I mean, that just will happen, but they will let let her to get to the Mexico's national team with the team that she has somehow nurtured since since the U-17. So I think it should be her and it will be her. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody I've ever asked about her says that she's really good. You know she's great to kind of play under, and I don't know. She's got. She's definitely got a good reputation, though.
1: No? I mean, she's good. Like I got to meet her when I was in the U seventeen, and she still used to play with Mexico's full national team because she's way way older than me. Yeah. And since then, you could tell that she could be a head coach. Yeah, no way. Like. What did you see in like, adults she, that you
0: thought she's going to be an head coach?
1: That she, like literally she was the slowest one. The slowest one in all the Mexico national teams. <laughs> yeah. But she was the the most intelligent player. No way. And you just like she well when I played with her, she she helped us with an Inter Squadras. Yeah. And she was uh, central defense. And I mean she should have been like maybe twenty eight? twenty yeah, something, and we were just like this bunch of girls of eighteen years old, oh yeah, and and she was definitely the the best, and she was this captain, she was this leader, she got to understand the game, and she was the only one or the best one at actually giving you instructions, so yeah, yeah, probably. and she, and in spite of that she was the lowest one, you never got to see her um running backwards or or. <laughs> Or just being one the position that very far, so yeah. yeah, I I think she's she's great, and she has this mystic as well as a person. Um, I think she handles groups greatly. Yeah, and that's something I had never seen before at at, at least in the Mexico's in the Mexico's national team. No, so,
0: no, yeah, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, 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 they do that. I think it. I think it would be uh, obviously good in the fact that I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I was going to ask you, obviously. With the full national team right now, it seems to be a kind of weird, a weird period, you know. Um, but then at the youth level, like you were saying then, you know, you know the runners up in the U-20s, uh, winners of the under 20s in 2018. Then you look at some of the players like Cathy Martinez, Jimena Lopez, uh, Miriam Garcia, no? Jackie Ovalle. I mean, it seems like there's a good... Emily Alvarado as well in in goal um it seems like there's also a good generation coming coming through but i, I saw you wrote a piece um called uh, mexico tarde a la cita con la historia um about about mexico not oh, yeah. making not making the, the the 2019 world cup in france and kind of in you know in english being late to the date basically or missing out on on the date with history um i don't know if, I I know you were there with the national team, no, before the before the Olympic qualifiers, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, the piece was because I think that the France World Cup was historic in every dimension.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, it just broke um uh, assistant records. It um it it was somehow a breakthrough in sponsorship and stuff like that. And the teams, I I think they've played at at their highest level ever, you know. Mm. And yeah, and it's and it was a shame that Mexico, Mexico wasn't able to be there because it was a great World Cup. And yeah, before the Olympics qualifiers, I got to go to, with Mexico's na- national team. I mean, I would have loved to be able to to play them, yeah. but I wasn't. So yeah, but I well, I mean happy to do that. Yeah. Uh, because I think when I got when I went in December. It was the first time I was with the Mexico national team since two, since two thousand and eleven. So yeah, mm-hmm. they were like like nine yeah. years. So yeah. yeah, I mean, very happy for that. Um, I didn't get that many vacations because of that, but um, <laughs> but happy, yeah, happy, happy because I mean, when when you get um your your spare time to to play football at a Great level. It's just awesome. So, yeah. yeah.
0: No, definitely. But, but, I mean, Paulo, where, where do you think this... Where's this team at right now? Obviously not making the World Cup last year and now not making the Olympics. I mean, those are, are two big blows. But, I don't know. They, you know, there's been some mixed results, no? I mean, obviously, you know, losing against the United States, losing against Canada, you kind of expect. And then, obviously, those results in in Brazil, which, you know, are another very good team. Um But, I don't know. do Do you feel like this is a team that's now... Kind of moving forward, moving is on the right path, or or is there still kind of obviously you know a lot of work to do in in getting Mexico where I mean I don't know there's so much talent in this country where it where it should be, and, and obviously obviously I, the context is that there's so many countries now, you know it's not like it's not like five ten years ago you know you look at the European countries and even now the South American countries and it's like you know there's more pe- more girls playing now you know and, and more. You know, projects that are that are increasingly more serious and more money being pumped into the game that I don't know sometimes I I just get worried that Mexico's not keeping up and on, on in on the same kind of um on the same level.
1: Ah uh, that's a tough question. I mean I think that Mexico Mexico's national team is definitely move, moving forward. Yeah. But maybe as you say it should move forward more quickly. Yeah. Um I think it's it's moving forward because the Liga, in spite of actually not feeding the Mexico's national teams that actually play the Olympic and the World Cup qualifiers, it should definitely fit it yeah. for for the next process. Yeah. So I mean there should be an improvement. It's also true that Mexico's is in a very tough zone. Yeah, because in women's team um, the US has has pretty much somehow like. Their spot already there, um, one. And that leaves just for, yeah, for, for, for one spot that usually gets to be, um, disputed by Canada and us. Yeah. And Canada in the full national team has always been better. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's hard, but I think that, I mean, the, the, the Liga should, should, should do the trick, maybe. And
0: yeah.
1: also, like, what, what we didn't have when we were little was an actual competitive um league to get to play. Yeah. So now that that, that 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 that's happening, I mean it should be better. The thing well the funny thing is that I think Costa Rica has improved more quickly than Mexico and with less resources than Mexico.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's somehow that's some, that's something that we should like um notice. I I mean not worry but just notice in order like to get to work because if you get to see Mexico and Costa Rica from the last 16 years to today, it's funny because I, I think Costa Rica actually did their like against the US and us. Yeah.
0: Um.
1: In the in the qualifiers. So um, and and they've done a they've done a different scheme, but the league. I, I mean that 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 should pump us up. I guess. I mean it should, and I and I hope so. Yeah. No, <laughs> but definitely. um. But yeah no no
0: but I mean... once again
1: um I go on, uh-huh. go on, go on sorry <laughs> go on yeah but I think that that will happen in the moment that the liga ex-Femenil actually um does it mandatory for all the teams to have uh u17 and a u20 because for now the liga I mean it's pro but it's full of very young players yeah and in spite of that like that's what we have today in order to compete with a veteran team like the US in which um Megan Rap, you know, press and all that, it's people that are like from the from the twenty five years up.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, in, in the notch, prime. You
1: know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like for us like like we still have to somehow cope with that yeah. and to catch up. Um yeah. but I hope that, that that the league does it because I, I mean in in the past with we we didn't have it and and still Mexico could compete. Like the last time Mexico went to an Olympics was in Athens.
0: Yeah, no way.
1: And and then if you go way back to the 1971, I mean there was nothing. Yeah. And Mexico was like the runner-up as well in this World Cup. So I like there's all there's always been women playing, but now that there's an actual Formal tournament for them to do that. I, I think that it would, it would, ev- it would, it would eventually add up. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, hopefully, yeah. No, it goes back to what you were saying, no, about creating the league, kind of going from the top <laughs> to, to bottom rather than, rather than getting the, 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 foundations in place and then, and then moving forward to, you know, to the full league. But, um, no, but hopefully the, hopefully with the, the, there's an under 20s, and under 17s league like there is on the, on the men's side, no? Um, yeah. But but I mean, Paolo, in terms of the, the federation, you know, like in like the US federation, for example, and, and other federations around the world, they have a general manager that is focused on 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 the women's side and they have a general direct a general manager who's focused on the on the men's side. And obviously there's, you know, there's differences between how you run a women's national team and how you run a men's national team. There's differences in, you know, how you scout players and especially in Mexico where, you know, a lot of the time you have to know the college system in the United States and, and and try and find players there that can that could potentially play for Mexico. And obviously, with with everything that's going on within Liga MX femenil as well, I don't know. It's just very different. The, the the knowledge of the game that you need to have, the knowledge of the potential head coaches that you could bring in, and which which would be right for your system. Do you, do you think having a specialist, a specialist director within the Mexican Federation to kind of oversee, a bit like Chivas have done, um, you know, you know the the system over at Chivas with um, a name—I can't remember her name now. What's the name of the Chivas um, <laughs> president on the women's side? Can't believe uh, she worked for ESPN. Yeah, Nelly yeah. Simon. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, do you it's think okay. that? Do you think like the federation, the federation having a figure like that would 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 also help a lot?
1: Mm, I guess so. I guess so, but um, but I'm not sure if they haven't done that. You know. I mean, maybe they've or like like they have this person, but we just don't know her. Yeah. And in spite of that, that I think it would be useful. I I I think like the logic is is the other way. Like, I don't think it will help more to have a a top chief that it's good. Yeah. If you don't have um a base of players that is good, like I'm not sure how to put it like. I would be more interested in in putting the right people at the U17s of the teams than having a good people actually there. Hmm. Because somehow like when there's talent it it just flows up. Yeah. Um and actually since like I mean I'm I'm not saying that um Simon's work hasn't um um been good because uh because I don't think so. Um but actually it's funny because Chivas was champion when there was one there. Yeah. At that um at that um uh, puesto or at that um position re- at yeah. that responsibility. Yeah. yeah. So um I mean I I, I, I think it's good because it, it somehow professionalizes more what the women can do at the Mexico national team. And I and I and I think it's somehow useful, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. But it but but it it, it would be very useful so yeah i mean i don't say no but I, I i don't think that like like that that it's gonna make the actual change
0: yeah i oh, know interesting it's interesting cool all right little like last last couple of things um you know obviously you've been speaking for about an hour in english where, where, where did you learn english because you speak you know you speak really well
1: oh well thank you i think that that it, it has been awful because it, like <laughs> i have a lot of time that i haven't speaking that much of English or yeah. that much time of English um, I learned in my school like um, in Puebla I studied at Instituto Damisis, that it's a bilingual school and uh, okay. we got to to have classes like half of the day in Spanish and half of the day in English so yeah nice.
0: and um, yeah. A, a book recommendation or anything that you're currently reading that, that people should check out
1: La, I just finished a book that it's very good um, it's in Spanish though Yeah. Because it ha well, it, it was written by a Spanish journalist called, called Enrique Peinado. Um, and, and the actual book is called, uh, Futbolistas de Izquierda. So it's, um, footballers that, yeah, uh, from the left. From the left. From, yeah. yeah. From the left,
0: yeah.
1: And nice. it's a very good book that, that actually tells you the stories about all these, um, players that have somehow stood up and spoken up for something important socially in spain in in argentina in chile in germany so yeah it, it's good it, you have the cases of copa um starting the first union in in france you have the case of caselli that he just somehow um denied saying hi to pinochet Yeah. um and stuff like that no, it's a no. great book I mean, if you feel somehow revolutionary, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a good.
1: It's a good yeah. yeah, no,
0: it fits in with the with the first question I asked you, know, about the revolution and um, and and the goal.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool, cool. No, sounds good, Paula. Final thing. Obviously, you know, you've got you've got a long a long way to go in your career, but I think anybody listening to this podcast knows that you know you're somebody who thinks a lot about the game and not just about the game, but things outside the game, that you're obviously, you know, a well-rounded person. What do you see yourself doing after you stop playing? Because I imagine there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of options, you know?
1: I mean, after I stop playing, I would love to be of those important people at the U17 in any team. Under-17? I, yeah, I would, well, the under-17 or, or, or U13, like, I would love to be a head coach of a young team. Yeah.
0: So you'd see yourself more coaching Inside than kind of in administration.
1: I mean, I, I would love to do that. I think that given my profile, you know, and yeah. given that I started, maybe I would like end up somehow in the, uh, in the administration part, but I would love to just be a head coach and just like um, keep near the pitch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, yeah. Paula. I wouldn't be surprised if you're uh, president of the uh, players association one day. No I'm not uh it wouldn't surprise me one bit, but well, we'll see.
1: Oh, let's see what 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 happens. I think that um revolutionary people in Mexico don't get to to that to those positions. So I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure that's gonna happen. But um let's see.
0: Yeah, nice one. Nice one Paolo. Well yeah, just uh, just wanted to say thank you very much for, for your time and you know Fascinating conversation about um you know, about your career and, and what's going on in, in Mexico in, in the women's game. And obviously, you know, with everything going on with the coronavirus, we didn't really talk about it, but um, <laughs> I'm sure you're kinda of training there at home and stuff. But um but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks again for uh, for your time.
1: No, thanks Tom. Thanks, Tom. And 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 I hope you cope with the coronavirus as well as us. Um I was reading that that um in the well, in the UK it's just been locked down, right? like
0: yeah no yeah it's it's not good over there it's um
1: well like just yesterday like a total lockdown and 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 i was like oh holy shit so i hope that your family is okay i mean i know that you're in mexico but i hope your family and friends are are well back there
0: yeah no no thanks a lot thanks paula this has been a special edition of the mexican soccer show Thank you for all for joining us and continuing to support us. We're we'll bringing you special editions just
1: like this. Thank you to Tom, and thank you to Paola, and thank you to our producer Amy. Hasta la próxima.